Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Wednesday, June 24th. The year is 2020. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Today's episode of Locked On Spartans is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Uh, You know what today is. Well, well, if you don't know what today is, go back and listen to Tuesday's show. Uh, It is part one of an extended interview we did with former Michigan State basketball player Anthony Iani. Uh, He was, when he walked onto Michigan State, the first Division I athlete with autism. And we spoke to him at length just about growing up with autism, his diagnosis, uh, getting through high school, the challenges that came with that, uh, eventually getting to Grand Valley, a scholarship there, and then walking on at MSU in his career after basketball as a motivational speaker. So on today's show, we are just going to jump right into it with part two of our interview with Anthony, which um, gets into more of his time at MSU, an absolutely phenomenal story about Derek Nix and how his teammates at MSU learned about his diagnosis, and then uh, his career as a motivational speaker. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into our interview. Anthony, you had mentioned about uh, sensitivity to stimulus, right? That's something that people with autism deal with a lot is just that they can get overstimulated and it leads to uh, emotional reactions that can be really, really difficult for them to control. And I'm just wondering because a basketball arena is absolutely loaded with stimulus. There's noise, there's lights, there's all sorts of excitement. How were you able to get used to that to the point where you could go into a giant gym like the Breslin Center that's really loud with the band playing, uh, with the buzzers going off, uh, and just how were you able to get to a point where you could go in there and actually be a basketball player and focus on basketball and not worry about all this stimulus around you? So when I started learning my um, my numbers, you know, learning to count from one to twenty and then twenty to zero. When I started doing that, um, I would watch the scoreboard, and then when the scoreboard uh, counted from ten to zero, I would count along with it. So I would go ten, nine, eight, seven, six, and once I got to five, I put my hands close to my ear. Four, three, two. Once one hit, <clears throat> I put my hands over my ears. The buzzer goes off, and then I slowly took my hands off my ears, slowly took them off my ears. And if it was still too much for me, I put them back on, Mm -hmm. you know, so I did that every game. And it was the same thing with the crowd reaction. Like if the crowd went nuts, I put my hands over my ears, but then I would take them off my ears just to kind of get a feel of what what was going on around me. If it was still too much, then I put them back over my ears. So it basically will got to the point where I did it every game. And I was just so used to the sounds and the, you know, you know, the, the environment around me, I didn't, I didn't cover my ears anymore. And so I I told this story to, um, Dr. Temple Grandin. And if you guys aren't familiar with her, you know, Dr. Grandin is one of the most famous individuals in the world with autism. You know, she's done a a lot. And so she's very, very well known. There was, you know, HBO 10 years ago did a, you know, movie on her, um, Claire Danes played her. I mean, if you guys have never seen it, check it out. It's a great movie. Um, but I told her this, I told her what I told you guys. And so she said to me, she said, wait, so you were controlling the environment around you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I said, you could put it that way. That's what I was trying to do. I, I didn't think about it at the time I was yeah. doing it. I was just like, I was trying to get used to it. But 
you know, that's exactly what I did. I was just controlling the environment around me so I can get used to it. And, she, and Dr. Granite looks at me and goes, do you mind if I use that as an example of my presentation? I said, go for it. So so apparently I made uh, Temple Grandin's presentation more in these days. But but that's how but that's how I overcame it was just like just doing the little things of, all right, hands over the ears. All right, let's take them off a little bit and just let's just see what happens. And so and then and basically after that, it was all adrenaline because I just I love playing in front of my family and my friends, my teammates, my coaches. My community, Okemos, Michigan State, Grand Valley State, whoever it was, like it was all adrenaline after that. And so when you arrive to MSU, like who knows about your diagnosis? And is this something that you just tell them right off the top or do they get it out of you? Like do some people like not know until years after? Like who and when did people find out uh, on the team and coaching staff? So the only guys that really knew when I got to Michigan State, um, the coaching staff knew. Um and then Austin Thornton knew because AT and I, we've known each other since freshman year of high school. So a very okay. long time. And we played AU together. Um, Mike Keebler, I don't think he knew, but I think he had a pretty good idea, you know, because we were teammates together at Okemos. Right. But outside of those guys, nobody else knew. Nobody. Okay. Knew. And, and honestly, Matt, like I, I wanted it to stay that way. Because I didn't know how my teammates were going to treat me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how they were going to react. So, so that, that, and, and to be clear, that was my choice. That was my choice to make. And I was okay with it. Sure. And, yeah. you know, and you talk about the jokes and the sarcasm piece. Yeah. I mean, number one on that list is, is Day Day. You know? Right. <laughs> and, you know, to this day, you know, I've always told people that Day Day is probably the number one individual when it comes to jokes and sarcasm during my time at Michigan State. <laughs> um, so whenever he would ever joke with me and he'd go a little too far with it, you know, Austin Austin could tell that it was kind of getting to me and that he would either just, you know, give Day Day a nudge and say, hey, Day Day, like, you know, AI is going to he's going to run across this table right now and tackle you through the window. <laughs> so, it's a good teammate. Right? So, Austin was always that guy I can lean on to. Now, yeah. guys found out, so it was the summer going into my redshirt junior year, and so so every freshman class that comes in has to do a VO2 workout. For you guys that aren't familiar with that, the VO2 workout is where they measure your body fat, your blood sugar, and your stamina. They put you on a treadmill for like four minutes, and you got to go up certain levels. So I did it twice in my college career. I did it once at Grand Valley State, did it once at Michigan State. So the next year, you know, our freshmen did it, and then we go in for Friday lifting, and Draymond was joking with me about how I got to do it again. Mm-hmm. In my mind, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, is he serious, or do I really have to do this? And so. <laughs> No, and I told him, I said, I said, Day Day, like, I didn't hear from coach. He's like, oh no, coach told me, like, you got to go do it. And I'm, and I'm thinking, like, okay, well, knowing, knowing Day Day and coach's relationship, like, maybe he did. And like, he just kept kept going on and on and on about it. And, and so it got to the point where I wanted to just throw a good right hand punch in his face. (laughs) So, So I told, and Draymond just looked at me and goes, you know, AI, if you can't take a joke, then just don't be here. And then that's when strength and conditioning coach Mike Vorkovich, you know, you know, heard heard what was going on. He overheard what Day Day said. And, you know, he came in on the conversation and says the Day Day said, he says, hey, 
So you want to know why Anthony can't understand you sometimes? You want to know why he can't understand your jokes? It's because it's he has autism. You know, he's very black and white. He doesn't understand your jokes. You know, he thinks you're picking on him because of it. Mm-hmm. And so, and then Derek Nix, who, you know, I love I love Nix. That's my guy. He overheard what Bork said to, to Dede, and Nix goes, well, I don't understand what the big deal is. You know, if, if AI is artistic, you know, I'm artistic too. <laughs> he did not. True story. Oh, Derek. Looks at Nix and goes, what did you just say? <laughs> oh. Well, you said artistic, didn't you? And, and Bork just goes, said Nixer. He, he goes, I said autistic. Autism, buddy. Not artistic with <laughs> crayons, paintbrushes, and coloring. Like, no. But, you know, again, you guys, that's how very little my teammates knew about autism. Sure. So at the same time, they were going to get a lesson in all this. They were about to get a very good lesson. And so... So Vork told Day-Day, we have workouts the next day. Day-Day came up to me and says, hey, AI, like, why didn't you tell me all this stuff? Like, why didn't you tell me about your autism? And, and I said to him, I said, well, I said, Day-Day, I didn't know how you were going to react. Like, you know, I thought you were going to be like other people I've told in my life about my autism and just treat me differently after that. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and said, well, hey, man, like, I'm going to tell you right now, kudos to you. Like, you know, you've earned some respect from me because based on what people said about you and where you're at today, like, kudos to you, man. That's big time. And so... That day changed my relationship with him forever. Like yeah. we became not just better teammates, but we, we became better friends because of that day. And, you know, Nick's got to learn more about me. Adrian Payne got to learn more about me. Alex Ghana, Travis Trice, Brandon Dawson. Um, you know, Dan, I mean, Dan Chapman. I mean, Chapman and I went to Okemos together for one year, but he got to learn more about me. Keenan Wetzel, like all the guys on the team that were there that day, got to learn more about, you know, who Anthony Ianni is in the autism spectrum. They learn more about it. And even with, even with um, Coach Fife, shout out to Coach Fife, legend, legendary guy. Um, <laughs> you know, so even today, like, you know, Fife, when he first got to Michigan State, heard about me. And then after I graduated, he started asking me questions about autism. AI, tell me about the autism spectrum. Where are you at on it? You know, what makes what makes you click? What didn't make you click when you were here? If I have another player like you with autism, like how should I coach them? So Fife is asking me questions. Dwayne Stevens is asking me questions. You know, Mike Garland, OG, like he's asking me questions. And, you know, if they ever have to get involved with a player like that, they're experts at it now. Coach Izzo's mm-hmm. an expert because he had a player with autism for three years. And so – but after that incident in the weight room, like I wasn't afraid to lean on my teammates and go, hey, you know, Austin, was so-and-so being serious or were they joking when they were saying this? No, he was just kidding AI. Like we don't we don't have to do this. It's okay. Or no, he was serious. Like we have film tonight at 8 o'clock, you know, be here at 730. So I wasn't afraid to, to lean on my teammates after that because they understood it and they wanted to learn more from it. We will be right back with more from Anthony Iani in just a minute, just a hot second. But first, a quick, quick word from our good friends at rockauto.com. I've been telling you about them. Matt's been telling you about them. Going to a car parts place in the store, it can be tough. You don't know exactly what you're looking for. You don't have time. You feel like you got to have all the answers when you're standing at the desk there. You're trying to pull out your phone and like, oh, I need this, whatever. 
skip that. Right, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online. They've been doing it for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got a huge selection, right? Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and carpet, you know, the entire spectrum. They run the gamut, and they have it for, like I said, hundreds of manufacturers, all different kinds of models. You can find it at rockauto.com, and best of all, their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't do it. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Anthony, I'm wondering just how all of that felt. So the the... Back and forth, I guess, or it sounds like it was mostly Draymond gumming at you. There's not much back and forth with it, but the uh, Draymond getting at you, leading to the revelation of your diagnosis, and then things start changing. People are understanding you more, asking more questions. And it was probably just such a stark contrast compared to middle school, high school, how people had dealt with you when you knew you that when they found out you had autism. What did that feel like? What was what were those moments like where you're like, I'm on a championship level basketball team with some of the best college players in the world, some of the best coaches in the world. And they are caring about me, caring about my autism, caring about me learning plays and like taking me in as one of their own, you know, even after they learn about your diagnosis, just what did that feel like, you know, growing with the team and having them grow around you? In two ways. The first one is relief um, because I really do believe had I not said anything and had that had that incident not happened in our weight room that day, like, you know, I don't know how I would have managed to get through that whole entire year um, like I did my first year at Michigan State. So a little bit of relief because now, okay, that's off my shoulders. My teammates know, my coaches, you know, all the managers know, everybody knows. So I'm okay now but I'm not going to use it as an excuse if I screw up in practice for something. You know, if I don't understand something, like I better ask questions because then I don't want, I don't want coach is getting mad at me or Fife or Garland or, or, you know, DJ getting mad at me. Like, you know, they're going to get mad at me because if I don't ask questions, that's the reason why. So I was really relieved, but at the same time, I was also, I was also blessed because to know that I had, I was around, a great group of guys who cared and were willing to accept who I am on the spectrum, who were willing to learn more about me, who were understanding as to why I learned plays, not as quick as some other guys might. Um, but the fact that I was part of a special family at Michigan mm-hmm. state. And I mean, you guys have probably heard that in all the years that you've been around Michigan state sports is that you hear the term family. Mm-hmm. And that's what Michigan state is and always will be is family because you know, yes, yeah, so like you fight. It's like, it's like with your own family members. You fight with each other. You mess with each other. You goof around with each other. But at the end of the day, you look back on it and go, all right, that's what family is about. Yes, the joking sometimes went too far. Sometimes I didn't catch it, but I look back on it and go, you know, that's our brotherhood. You know, that's why we love each other. That's why we're so tight-knit at Michigan State. That's why Coach Izzo has built, you know, a family atmosphere the way he's built. And I've always told recruits that, you know, you can go to Kentucky, you can try to go to Duke, but you're you're not going to get – there's one thing you're not going to have at those two places that we're going to have, and that's you're going to be part of a family atmosphere and a brotherhood for the rest of your life. 
you ain't going to get that anywhere else. And so that's why a lot of recruits come to Michigan State because they want to be part of not just great tradition and championship programs, but they want to be part of something special for the rest of their life, which is their family. So we have reunions twice a year because that's how tight-knit we are. And the fact that I was part of that for three years, the, the fact that I got to be a part of two championship teams, and the fact that I got to be a part of a Final Four team, those are some of the things that I'm always going to cherish for the rest of my life and memories that I'm always going to have for the rest of my life as well. And speaking of memories, too, we, we talked about your first game as a Spartan and how it was just a dream to put the jersey on, run out of the court as a guy, as a walk-on. But fast forward three years, you weren't just a guy or a walk-on. You were a bonafide fan favorite. Like, you were borderline <laughs> legend status with, with the Izzone. What, what was that like, just being such a popular guy amongst the Izzone and hearing your name chanted whenever it was like, I don't know, we'll call it a 20, 30-point game at some point. <laughs> what, was that, what, what was that like from, from your point of view? And there's a reason why I love the Izone and why it's one of the best student <laughs> sections in the country because of those reasons. Um, however, I told Steven Izzo, he kind of stole my legendary status. But, you know, those are some of the things, Matt, that I embraced about being in Michigan State was, you know, just getting those reactions from the student section, getting those cheers. And, you know, the one thing, the one thing I promised myself when I got to Michigan State was, I was always going to be interactive with everybody, you know, whether it was students, whether it was fans. And so, um, so before, you know, I think it was my retro junior year, I started stretching out the scores table in front of the is zone. And I just started yucking it up and chatting with a bunch of, you know, you know, students in the is zone, just chatting it up. And so I did that every game. That was kind of my pregame ritual after that, yeah. you know, shoot some jump shots and then go to the scores table <laughs> and just stretch out because Here's what I got. Here's where I got that from. So I went to a Pistons game in 2005, and it was like toward the end of the season, regular season. And I remember Rashid Wallace. He was in the huddle, and then Rashid walks away from the huddle, goes and sits at the scores table, and starts chatting with the fans. And part of me was like, "All right, is he going to get in trouble for that? Because he just literally <laughs> walked out of the huddle, you know, as Larry Brown is trying to drop this play, but." But then part of me was like, that's really cool. Like, he just went over there, sat at the scores table, and just started talking to the fans. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to find a way to do that and just interact with our fans somehow, some way. And that's what I did. And that's where I got the score. That's where I got the scores table idea from. You know, that's why I went over there and stretched out, you know, and just see everybody. And then, you know, on the other side, when the scores table's not there, it's um, the courtside seats. I would go, I would go over there by courtside sit in those seats and just chat with, you know, individuals in the is zone. And that's how I met a lot of my friends at Michigan State, who I'm still in close connection with to this day, is because of those conversations I had with them, is because of just stretching out the scores table. And so, you know, but at the same time, I wanted to earn the is zone's respect, not just because of who I was as a person, but because of, you know, how hard I worked at Michigan State and just what an overall good person that I tried to be towards them. And so that's why I'm always going to be thankful for the Izone because they welcomed me with open arms. They embraced me. And so I'm always going to be thankful for that. And you know, I'll never forget those conversations, just chatting it up with those students. Um, you know, I got to give a shout out to Jordan Van Dyke. Um, Jordan was a freshman when I was a senior. And when I was stretching at the scores table, he's screaming from the Izone, you know, I, Annie, my I Annie, my favorite player, number one player. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. And now, you know, fast forward eight years later, he's one of my closest friends. And so, awesome. 
that, that's what the zone gave me. And so, again, those are memories and moments I'm going to cherish, you know, and have for the rest of my life. Okay, we will be right back to wrap up our conversation with Anthony Ianni in just a hot second. But first, a word from Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, ever. It's seriously the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. Uh, and I've had many protein bars. I'm sure you guys have too, and you've probably felt a similar way about all of them. Like, okay, this isn't the worst thing ever. I can sort of choke this down for the health benefits that I'm getting. You don't have to do that with Built Bar. They've got a ton of amazing flavors. Go check them out, BuiltBar.com. They are high in protein, high in fiber, low in sugar, and low calorie. Like, they're they're healthier than other bars. They taste better than other bars. I, I don't know what else I need to tell you. And right now, they got a big sale going on up to 50% off at BuiltBar.com. Getting rid of the old merchandise, bringing in a new and improved formula, which I am looking forward to getting to taste. But right now, liquidation up to 50% off at BuiltBar.com. It's great. Huge selection still. You can go in there and pick out your favorites and just order in bulk and get awesome savings with that. uh, BuiltBar.com. Check it out. Anthony Ianni with us here on Locked on Spartans. Anthony, I'm wondering from the run through the NCAA tournament to the Final Four, what is the one defining moment from that? Or what is like an image that you just have stuck in your head from that? Like when you were laying in bed reminiscing on just that run, what is what's playing through your head? Why they didn't call a foul on Gordon Hayward? Uh, <laughs> Give me a good one. Give me a good one. <laughs> um, you know what? I would have to say, you know, just when we when the, when the team got back at the Breslin Center, um, and just you know, and, and our pep rally was there. I thought that was just really cool. And you know, obviously I couldn't travel, but I was there at the games. And so, um, and I remember texting Draymond the night before. I said, "Hey, I said, cut me down a piece of the net tomorrow." And so, you know, I get, I get back in time for the rally. I, I wait for the team. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, I don't know. If Dray-. I said, Draymond probably forgot. I said, if he cut a piece of that nut down for me, I said, that's pretty cool. But I don't know if he did or not. So team gets back. I walk in the arena with them. And Draymond walks up to me. And he's holding a little piece of net in front of my eyes. I go, so you remembered? He goes, yeah, I did. He said, you're a part of this with us. You know, you helped get us here. And so I thought that was really cool. Then we went in the arena and just – you know, having, you know, the entire lower bowl filled out, you know, my, my roommate, Arthur Ray was, you know, front and center, you know, with the students, that was really cool. You know, that's always a memory that's going to play back for me because, you know, that's what, that's, that's what Michigan state's about. You know, you get, you get to do special things and then you still get to celebrate with the community at the same time. And now here you are public speaking, uh, what seems to be like a, very often, a few times a week, it seems like on, on Twitter, you're either getting shout outs from schools or you're shouting schools out that you visited, which is awesome. Um, what's that whole experience been like just talking with the youth? Like, is this something that you were a little unsure of to start or did you know that you would just kill this thing right off the bat? So, so like any other senior in college, Matt, I didn't know what I was going to do. For sure. Like I really, yeah. I really didn't know. And so, Part of me wanted to do what my father did when he was working athletic administration. So my senior year, I worked with um, his staff um, and Rick Atkinson and those guys. You know, I worked event management for football and volleyball and softball that year. So I was getting the experience and I really enjoyed it because, you know, I got to be around sports in general, be around the coaches and the players like my dad, you know, took me around as a kid. 
And that's what I wanted to do at first because I wanted to give my kids those opportunities that I had, which was go to all these games, meet all these great coaches and athletes and players, celebrities, et cetera. But it wasn't until our former Lieutenant Governor Brian Cowley gave me the opportunity to be a motivational speaker. So, so MLive.com, uh, Diamond Lee Young, who was a writer there at the time, wrote an article about me being on the autism spectrum. And so it was like the first time my story ever went public. So, yeah. you know, there was a great response to it. And so Brian Kelly at the time, who has a daughter um, on the autism spectrum named Reagan. So Brian was in, he, he was involved at the time trying to get the autism legislation bill passed, which is a bill to have insurance companies, you know, cover occupational therapies, doctor's appointments, ABA therapies for, for individuals with autism. And um, so Brian heard about my story and he had asked me to speak at an autism gala in Detroit for a nonprofit organization who would later hire me to do what I'm doing now later that summer. But before all that went down, he asked me to do this keynote speech. I was like, yeah, sure. Not a problem. And so, you know, I did like a nine, 10 minute deal. You know, I got a great reaction and great ovation to it. And I remember driving um, uh, my wife, my then girlfriend at the time home. And I told her, I said, you know, I think I know where I'm supposed to be now. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, other than Temple Grandin, name me somebody else in the autism community who's just like that, who's a big hero, role model, a legend icon that that community looks mm-hmm. up to every day. And about 30 seconds went by. It was silent. She couldn't name anybody. And that's, <laughs> and that's when I said to her, I said, you know what? I'm going to go be that guy then. I'm going to go be that hero, icon, role model, and, you know, you know, idol that people can look up to. And so, you know, I got my start at Autism Alliance of Michigan. I was there for two and a half years. And now I've been with Michigan Department of Civil Rights for the last five years. And I haven't looked back. And I don't plan on looking back. And so at, at first, Matt, you know, I started off small. I was speaking to a group of 40, 30 people, you know, doing autism safety trainings with a colleague of mine. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first opportunity to speak at St. John's Middle School. And so, you know, Autism Alliance, they were trying to be helpful. You know, they gave me these note cards, but on these note cards, it was like all these different definitions and stats about autism. So, you know, I did three present, uh, three presentations that day for each grade, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And so my first presentation I did, I had the note cards on the stage in front of me just to kind of cheat off of. And then after I got done, my colleague said, you know, that was really good. And then I picked up the note cards and I said to my colleague, I said, you see these note cards? He said, yeah. I ripped them up right in front of him and I put them in the trash. I said, I said, I, I can't read off note cards. I said, I need to do this from my heart. I need to just speak from, you know, what I, what I got inside me right now. And so if you ever watch me speak, there's no, there's no PowerPoints. There's no, there's no cards, nothing. So from that day forward, everything that I said came from my heart and it has carried on ever since. So I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be kind of locked in a box, if you will, holding note cards. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how I, I just wasn't comfortable. So when I ripped those note cards up, I was like, all right, now you're going to do this. Now you're going to do it your way. And so, and that's how it's been. And so, you know, I've, I've been able to adjust to my audiences over the years. I've been able to adjust for uh, K through 12 schools. I've been able to adjust for college uh, students, for conferences, and for sports teams, um, even just like community events. So my messages I've been able to alter and do. And I think that's probably one of the great things about my, about, you know, 
my job and one of my strengths is that I can alternate on the fly. If somebody wants me to change uh, change wording up as I'm talking, yeah, not a problem. If somebody needs me to shorten my presentation up, yeah, not a problem. And so, you know, and I think that's what the great thing about, you know, my job is that I have multiple different messages that I can run by people. And if they want to hear the anti-bullying presentation, great. If they want to hear the transitioning on autism presentation, great. If they want to hear talks on leadership and motivation, they got it. So, but again, like a senior in college, I didn't think about doing this. And then when I got the opportunity, that's when I was like, okay, the door is open. Now you got to go run through it and just don't look back. Yeah, that's impressive. That's big time. No note cards. <laughs> Man. It's getting flashbacks to high school public speaking. How do you do that? Uh, he is Anthony Ianni. Ianni, Ianni, call him what you want. Just don't call him Ionia. Anthony Ianni, former Michigan State basketball player, the very first one athlete with autism. And he's got a memoir coming up fall of 2021 called Centered. Uh, and we're super fired up for that to eventually uh, hit the shelves. Anthony, can't thank you uh, enough for making some time for us. Uh, it was really great talking to you, and I hope, uh, I'm sure, not, not I hope, I'm sure everyone listening to this uh, got something valuable and useful out of it. So all the best to you. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. And we will, you know, we're going to catch up with you down the line. If, if we get a football season, we're going to bring you back for football because I know Sheehan's got a tailgate story with you in his pocket, and we want to talk some football with you too as well. Yeah, we like fireball. What can we say? Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. It's a, it's a delicacy in East Lansing. Come on. Hey, I I got to I got to cross it off my bucket list. I got to have, I got to have a fireball with uh, Matt last fall. So <laughs> oh, don't flatter me. Come on. <laughs> it might be the saddest bucket list item I've ever. Heard. <laughs> All right, so guys. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Anthony for joining us. Great. Great conversation with him, great story, and just looking forward to seeing um, how that book progresses, and definitely we'll be checking it out when it hits bookshelves centered fall of 2021. Thanks so much for listening to us this week on Lockdown Spartans. We'll be back next week. Uh, believe it or not, we're just like two and a half weeks away from mandatory summer activities starting in college football, and so we are really starting to watch the clock there as uh, coronavirus is happening all over the country in different places and different things and there's going to be a lot of developments i think over the next few days so we'll be paying attention to those next week for sure remember to rate review subscribe to the podcast you can find locked on spartans wherever you get your podcasts all right have a great rest of your week and a great weekend